Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Mike just got me a new mic thing and it could mute and I like that but then I just muted myself so yeah yeah you're welcome uh, now they don't have to mute me all the time anyway uh, so glad that you're here if you're joining us online we're really glad that you're here as well uh, with us uh, Gertrude she is a missionary to Haiti and she said this most American Christians don't need God most American Christians don't need God. See, there was a guy named Steve. He asked her uh, what the difference is between Haitian Christians, people in Haiti, and American Christians. And that's what she said. Most American Christians don't need God. They have everything that they need. They have food. They have shelter. They have an income, a regular income. And they don't really need God. They could go through life without needing Him for much. And... That is pretty convicting. Because that's not the way most of the world lives. Most of the world does not live in the way that we do. See, we have a lot of prosperity. You know, I don't know if you knew this or if you thought about this, but when Jesus speaks about rich people in the Bible, uh, he is speaking to you and me. Don't believe me? Well, consider this. Uh, The median household income in Wells County in 2018 was $56,265, household income, $56,000. And if that is you, if you make somewhere around that, uh, you are in the top 0.86% of the richest people in the world. What that means is that you are richer than 99.14% of the rest of the world's population. Now, you may be thinking, like, well, Brandon, I don't make that much. Uh, I make a lot less than that, more than, uh, less than half of that is what I make. And so if that's you, uh, I just did some numbers, uh, $10 an hour, 40 hours a week, full-time job, uh, brings you about $20,800. And if that is you, then you are in the top 6.88% of the richest people in the whole world. That means you are richer than 93.12% of the rest of the world. And I bring that up because of this. Prosperity has a tendency to blind us. You see, Jesus told a story uh, to, to a rich man, and he said that, uh, as a result of this interaction with this rich man, he said this, It is more difficult for a camel 
like a camel. You know, like camels are pretty big. They're like big things, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You know, a little, little needle thing where the little, little thing, thread goes through. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person, you and me, <laughs> uh, to get into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples, rightly so, were like asking the question, like what we would ask is like, whoa, Jesus, then who can be saved? And and Jesus said, with man that's impossible, but with God all things are possible. But it brings up an important point. We shouldn't just gloss over that. That to be rich, like you and me, to be prosperous, it has a tendency to drive us away from dependency on God. Because we have everything that we need for life. We have all of our basic necessities. Our necessities are assumptions in the way we operate our lives. And today, in in what Jesus is going to present to us, is something that should be, at least, it should shake us in the way that we see the world, in the way that we see ourselves, in the way we view God. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. That's where we're going to jump into. Jesus uh, continues what he's been teaching us over the course of the series in what we call the Lord's Prayer. This is what he says in verse 11. He says this, Give us today our daily bread. That's it. Give us today our daily bread. Now let's do a little bit of review. Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus starts this out in when he's teaching them how to pray. He says this, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, Give us today our daily bread. So Jesus is telling us, Hey, if you want to pray, then you should expand your imagination of who God is. God is our Father who is in heaven. He is both glorious and majestic and infinite and eternal, and he is near. He is right here and he is gloriously great. He, we should pray then for his name to be honored as holy because he is holy. And we want to honor his name because he is great and glorious and amazing and loving and merciful. And, and we should pray for his kingdom to come. His kingdom to come. His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is telling us, hey, you need to have a bigger picture of who God is. You need to have a bigger uh, understanding of what Jesus wants to do in your life. Of what God is trying to accomplish in this world. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the air of the gospel. Jesus has us at a, a very high perspective looking down at the universe and saying this is what life is is all about. And then he transitions into kind of a really weird spot. Going to the big level of who God is and what we should be praying and hoping for him to do in this world, he transitions to our basic necessities and needs. Give us today our daily bread. Those first two words should change the way we see the world. Give us, give us. See, in America, we have, and in, in the West, you know, not just picking on us Americans, but uh, also the West, just all of us uh, who have this as our norm. Uh, we have some rallying cries, some mottos. We have values of self-sufficiency and, and self-reliance. Th- those are really big, important things to us, right? We have, we have mottos that go with it, like, I've got this. You can do it. Uh, if you need anything done right, you should just do it yourself. Because why? Because you can do it. You've got this. Just keep pushing through. You don't need anybody, right? Like when you're upset with someone, you say, I don't need them anyway. All I got is me, myself, and I, and I'm fine with 
that. Self-reliance, self-sufficiency. Uh, and it's kind of nice, right? Because, well, I mean, in some ways it's not because it's why we overwork. It's why we wrap our careers into our identity. And then that, when we get to the point of retiring, we're like, well, I don't know what this is supposed to be because I feel like a part of me is gone. Uh, it, it's, but it's kind of like a, an attractional facade because it feeds our ego. Because if we can believe that all the things that we've accomplished and, and acquired and all the things that we've done are because of our own uh, awesomeness, then, then that will feed us and be like, oh, yes, I can, I will, I have, and I will do it again. It feels good. Self-sufficiency, self-reliance. But what do you think? Does it, does it stack, stack up? Is it, does it measure up? Is it true that we ourselves are self-sufficient? Let's, let's see. Let's just, uh, let me ask us some questions and maybe we'll see if we really are self-sufficient and self-reliant. Consider this. Did we produce the oxygen that we just inhaled? No, don't, don't think you were in a lab thinking, oh, oxygen, that'd be a good idea. Uh, what happens if our boss lets us go from our job? What happens if the clients for our business stop showing up and stop calling? What happens then? What happens if the stock market crashes and all of your savings for your retirement go down the drain? What happens if our, heart, our house burns down and the insurance company goes bankrupt? Like the insurance company needed some insurance. What happens if we are in a horrible accident and need medical help? Not feeling very self-sufficient, are we? What happens if we're diagnosed with a horrible disease and we need the help of a doctor? Not feeling very self-sufficient. What happens if the supply chain stalls out and we run out of toilet paper? That's real talk right there. That hits us all right in the heart. Are we self-sufficient? Are we self-reliant? I mean, this is, the, this is the issue that we come into contact with because of our prosperity. Because we have all of our needs met, basically, we can use them as assumptions. In the way we operate, in the way we live, we don't depend on God and we don't pray the way Jesus invites us to pray. And so what is God offering us as an opportunity? He's telling us, hey, he desperately wants us to see the world with a clear view. He really wants us to understand that, hey, you are not self-sufficient. You are not self-reliant. Your systems, the things that you came up with, they're really good. But guess what? They can all crumble to the ground and cease to exist. We are not self-sufficient and self-reliant no matter how much time we've spent trying to convince ourselves that that is true. And that is actually good news because it frees us from feeling like we have to have to be the source of all of our needs being met. Uh, I mean, think about it. Like, 2020, right? Like, go back to March. Just go back there. Uh, you went to the store and all the things that you wanted weren't there, Right? Like, we got used to, like, well, I'll just go to the store. I got my list. I know this stuff's going to be there. And we never thought, like, how did the Twinkies actually get to the store? Like, they just there, right? They're just, they're just there. No. Everyone freaked out, right? It's a virus. It's a virus. So we need all the toilet paper we can get. I mean, you know, the canned vegetables, ah, but the toilet paper, we need that. And then you're, you thought to yourself, right? You're like, wait, hold up. Should I stock up on toilet paper? Uh, should I start bartering? Like, I've got some corn. Can I exchange it for some toilet paper? Right? We're starting to go back in time. We're like, hold up. This is not working 
out. Anybody else was worried like maybe the supply chain was going to totally bottom out? Anybody? Just show your hands. If you're at home, show your hands, hit the like or whatever. Yeah, like I was. I'm like, hold up. Like this is probably, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like, hold up. Is the is the semi-truck driver going to be able to drive the stuff to get to the thing that needs to get to? You know, like all that stuff. It, it should be a reminder for us that this year presented us with an opportunity. An opportunity for our 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 trust in God to grow and our trust in the world and our own income and our own and our own stuff to diminish. Because if anything, this has shown us that we really aren't self-existent. But the good thing is, God is self-existent. And that is good news for us because he is the holder of life itself. Uh, outside of himself, he doesn't need anything to exist. He is self-sufficient. He is self-existent. There is nothing he needs from you. There is nothing he needs from anyone else for him to sustain his own life. He is self-existent. He is eternal. He is infinite. And he has life in infinite supply, and he's the one who gets to offer that to us. We are not self-existent. We are dependent and interdependent beings. Like, just think about it. If you were the last person on earth, and all the plants were burned up, and all the animals were gone, how long would you survive? Not very long. Not very long. But if you were self-existent, you could, you'd be fine. But we're not. And all of us need to be reminded of the fact that Jesus has invited us to step into the reality that we live in and pray that way. You are not self-existent. You are not self-sufficient. We're self-reliant. See, what does this look like? It looks like beginning with gratitude, like because we really are blessed in some ways. Again, but Jesus said it's really difficult for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we have a tendency to trust in our own stuff, trust in our own goodness, trust in our own skills and acquisitions. We're like, ah, oh, we're good. We don't need God. I mean, yes, God, thanks for the food, but I paid for it. Right? Right? So what does it look like? Maybe starting with gratitude, praying and thanking God. Hey, thank you for doing what you've done. Like, yes. Give us today our daily bread. I know I got some bread in the pantry. I know I got some bread in the freezer. I know I'm good for a while. But I know that there could be a fire, burn my house down. There could be someone who gets into my bank account and takes all my money. There could be some things that could happen that would make it to where I'm very much aware of the fact that I am not self-existent, self-reliant, or self-sufficient. There are things in this world that could go wrong. And just as a side note, just thinking out loud, parents, uh, whether you have adult kids or little kids or anywhere in between, um, just thinking out loud, young people, I'm sorry, but it's for your own good. An idea. We are very averse to suffering here. Like we freak out when anyone tells us something to do. We freak out at the first sign of struggle. And for us as parents, a lot of times when we see our kids struggling, because we love them, we want to help them avoid that. But the Bible says that suffering produces character, and character produces hope. And hope's a good thing to have. So in, in our world, right, we have opportunities for difficulty, for suffering. And not that we would go and look for those things, but when our kids go through some stuff, guess what? God can take those difficulties and redeem them and bring about something in them that is completely unique that they wouldn't have experienced if they didn't go through that. So don't always try and save your kid from suffering. 
Don't always try and save your spouse from suffering. Walk with them in it and see that God is faithful because then their faith in him will grow. Their faith in you doesn't need to grow. Their faith in him needs to grow. Just as a little side note, that was free. Matthew 6, 11. Let's read it again. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Daily bread, daily bread. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, you know, Jesus, like, if I can pray for daily bread, can't I pray for, like, a year's supply of bread, right? I mean, if, if a daily bread is good, then a year's supply has to be much better. Amen? Anybody else with me? You can say amen to that. I mean, for real. Like, let's not just get one pizza. Let's get a year's supply of pizza on the house, right? Amen. Amen. Some of our waistlines would not agree, but hey, it would, it would, it would be good, right? <laughs> so a lot of us think that, you know, like, why can't we just have a year's supply? Like, because God, like, you wouldn't have to worry about it every day. It'd be fine. Like, you could just, like, it's efficient for you. If you just allow the supply chain to get me, and and like, you know, preserve it naturally, like don't put all this stuff in it. But if I could just have a year supply worth of bread in my house, and I had space to put it there, like, wouldn't that be good? Amen. But you see, when we pray, it's not so much that we get something from God, but like, yes, we can ask him for things. But God wants to bring something in us. He wants to make us become someone when we pray to him. He wants to transform us. He wants to bring about the image of Jesus in us when we pray. So why would he encourage us to give us today our daily bread, to have that be what we pray? When we could, you know, God's all-sufficient, all-powerful. He could give us a daily or a year supply worth of bread, right? It's not hard for him. But why would he tell us to pray just for daily bread? Well, as I brought up last week, if you were with us or watching online, uh, we saw that when the disciples heard Jesus say, Our Father, they would have thought back to the story of the Exodus. Now, if you're not sure what the Exodus is, uh, God's people were enslaved in Egypt, and he raised up a man named Moses. And, and he told Moses to tell Pharaoh, the, the most powerful man in their, in their part of the world, the most powerful man, to, to say this, to say, God says this, Let my people go so that they may worship me. Let my son go so that he may worship me. He referred to the whole of Israel as his own son. God said, hey, you are my son. So the Israelites would have known on some level God as their father. So they would have thought of that. But now Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. Well, it's an important thing that uh, Moses ended up leading them out of uh, captivity in Egypt because God sent plagues and eventually Pharaoh relented and they chased them through the Red Sea. God destroyed them in the Red Sea. He delivered Israel through the Red Sea and now they're in the wilderness and Exodus 15 happens. They're they're living life. They're free. No more bondage. No more chains. And then the Israelites do what oftentimes we do and they start grumbling. Huh. Moses, man, uh, we're thirsty, dude. We're in a desert now. We're thirsty. We're th- and, you know, we can't blame them. Like, you get thirsty, right? Like, you, you need some water. So God gives them some water. But then they're walking and they're doing their thing, right? Getting used to this new life of no more slavery. It's a good thing. 
And then they're complaining again. Hey, Moses, what are you doing, man? We ain't got no food. You, you just brought us out here so that we would die out here so that the Egyptians didn't have to bury us in their land. Isn't that what it was, right? Yeah, Moses, I know. I saw God part the Red Sea. I saw him destroy them. I know, whatever. Uh, where's my food? They were getting hangry, y'all. They were getting hangry. They were like, y'all, hey, I have filet mignon back in Egypt. I want to go back there. Even though, yeah, I got to be a slave, but I would, I, I'm eating better back there. Right. A lot of us, you know, even though we've been had we've had God break our chains sometimes going back to the old life, the old way of things, a little bit kind of attractive. And we're like, yo, I could do this back then. And so God says, hey, I, I will give you guys some food. OK, you just had to ask. It's all good. Chill. And and God says, hey, I'm going to bring down bread from heaven each day. And here's what you're going to do in the morning. You're going to go out and gather enough bread for your family. For that day. If you gather more. And try and put it in the fridge. And like keep it going. Or freeze it. Whatever. It's going to go bad the next day. Um, And each day. God would provide them. Bread from heaven. They ended up calling it manna. And on the. On Friday. He was. He allowed them to get enough bread. For that day. And the Sabbath day. Because he wanted them to chill. Isn't it so good. That God took. His people out of slavery when they had to work every day, all day, never had a break. And then he said, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm commanding you to take a day off. It's a good boss, y'all. Right? Stop working so much. Go and take a break. And so he said, you can take enough for two days. Why? Why wouldn't he just said, hey, I'm going to always have a steady supply of bread for you in your house. It's just going to appear. It's going to be all the way up to the ceiling, whatever. All the way up to the ceiling of your tent. Why? Because he wanted them to depend on him every single day. Because the way of human flourishing, the way to thrive, is to shift your dependency to be completely dependent on him. Because they needed to understand that they were not going to survive this on their own. They were not going to survive this because they were awesome and powerful. They were not going to survive this because of their own intellect and their own willpower. They needed God to deliver them each and every day. And when Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, he is inviting us to take our uh, allegiance to him and our surrender to him, not just just the big things and for salvation, but to intersect with all of our daily basic needs and necessities. So I want to even be Lord of that. I want you to depend on me so much that you depend on me for the next bite of bread that you have. Even in the midst. Of a life when you feel like you have plenty. I want you to understand. Never forget. That you are completely dependent. On me. So Jesus said something about this. He was teaching. And uh, in John chapter 6. He said this. And I think it's just phenomenal. It's not going to be on the screen. But if you have a Bible. Just turn to John 6 verse 47. Jesus says this. Truly I tell you. Anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. So even, they, even though they had bread, they died. By the way, i um, not, not sure if you guys thought about this. They did extensive research and 100% of you and me will die. Just so you know. None of us get out of this thing alive. Uh, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I, Jesus said this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I don't know about you, but that's some good bread. That's some good bread. That's not like white bread, you know, the stuff that ain't got no nutrients in it. 
This is some different kind of bread. Jesus says, hey, uh, I'm inviting you to ask God to give you uh, your daily bread every single day to sustain your life. But understand this. The bread of life is the one saying this to you. That if you want to live forever, even when you die, you will still be alive. Why? Because you had the bread of life. You took that and you ate it and you are going to get to enjoy life with God forever. So when we pray and ask God to give us today our daily bread, we are not just asking for him to provide all of our basic necessities and needs, but we are asking him to provide encouragement and hope and his presence with us each and every day so that we can live as people who have really tasted the bread of life. Like, y'all, this is some good bread. Y'all need some bread. Y'all need some of this bread. This is some good bread. We can tell people about it so that they can have it too because it doesn't say give yourself, give just me my daily bread, it says, give us. This is communal. This is together. This is for more than just you. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And as he's telling them how to pray, the bread of life is telling them to pray for daily bread. If we really think about this, daily bread and focusing on what God does, his self-existence, our dependence on him, this is the antidote to worry. If you, if you spend your life, spend your days worrying about tomorrow, worrying about today, this is your antidote. When you can really, truly get to the point where you see your self-sufficiency as non-existent and you come to him and say, God, you're in charge. You are the provider. And even if I starve on this earth, because I have the bread of life, I will be alive for eternity. You are my hope. You are my God, you are my Father. And when you trust Him with each and every moment of your day, then you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because the same God who's with you today, He's going to be there tomorrow too. He's not going anywhere. Jesus said He will never leave you or forsake you. You're never going to come to a point in your life where God says, you know what? Nope. Done. He's always with you. Draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. That's what Scripture says. Every single day. And so this is the antidote to worry. Because when you trust God for all that you need, guess what? Your trust in him grows. And you don't have to worry. I mean, think about it. In your life, when have been the, the times that you grew in your faith the most? It was when you had an unexpected job change. It was when something happened that you never have written the script for. It was when someone left. It was when you had a hardship. It was when you had a difficulty and your, your faith in him grew. Why? Because you were, you were confronted with the fact that we all know, but we need to be reminded of that we are not self-reliant, that there is stuff in this, in this world that we cannot handle. And we need to go to him with our trust, right? I mean, would you trade those times in your life when you went through those difficulties, when you went through hell, the valley of the shadow of death, and, then, and he showed you that he's faithful and he walked with you. Would you have traded those moments? They were hard, right? They were difficult. But because you trusted in him, your faith in him grew. And that's a good place to be. So even when we are struggling with the hope that tomorrow is going to bring something better, we can trust that God is going to supply us with everything that we need. This is the truth I want us to get into our bones. Self-sufficiency is a myth. Self-sufficiency is a myth. We need God for every breath and every bite of bread. And Jesus has invited us to pray that way. Self-sufficiency is a myth. 
You don't have it all figured out. You can't and you won't. That's why Jesus came. The, the only like, hope that we have to be able to make the money that we need to make to buy the stuff that we need to buy is if God sustains us and allows us to continue working. It's the only, we, we have to trust in him for every piece of the puzzle that has to come into place for us to be able to have any kind of thing on the table for us to eat. He is the one sustaining us. He is the one holding us together. He is the one encouraging us. He is the one giving us strength to keep going. Because if he decided to drop the laws of physics out of his hands and say, you know what, I'm done, we'd all be poof. He's the one who provides life. We are not. So when we, when we pray this way, I think when, when Jesus is inviting us to say, give us today our daily bread and ask our Father in heaven to provide that, then he is inviting us to pray that both for us and our family and for the world. Give us today our daily bread. And so what does that mean? It means that when we pray this, we're not just sitting here talking to God just for the sake of talking to God. We, he wants us to grow in our relationship with him, but he also wants us to have our mind and our heart focused on his mission, his kingdom to come, his will to be done. So what we would expect is that when we are going about our day, we may find that the Holy Spirit nudges us towards someone who needs their needs met. Because the, the word for bread, the Greek word for bread, it doesn't just carry with it the idea of physical bread. It also carries with it the idea of all of our basic necessities. So if we ask God, give us today our daily bread, we have to understand that God oftentimes works through people to accomplish his purposes. And he may invite you to participate in meeting someone's basic needs. That's what Jesus said love looks like, right? Loving your neighbor. He told it in the story called the Good Samaritan. He took care of his basic needs. And so when we, when we pray this way, we are entering, we are opening ourselves up to the work that God wants to do in us and through us. To bring his kingdom, to bring his will to earth as it is in heaven. And so we can pray that and ask God to provide that, not just for ourselves, but for the world as well. I mean, can you imagine? When, when all the dust settles of what 2020 and whatever, however long this all goes, when the dust settles, can you imagine? Having your trust in God be greater than what it was before. And having your trust in the world being less than what it is today. That would be a good thing. That would mean that we didn't waste this opportunity. Because yes, it's a, it's a crisis. It's difficult. It's, it's got our world kind of upside down. But it's also an opportunity for all of us to reevaluate everything that we believe. And for us to grow in our trust in God no matter what. For us not to any longer trust in our income or in our job or in our business or in our stuff or in our own intellect. But it's an opportunity for us to trust in the God who provides all of it. And so can you imagine getting to a point where God is truly enough? Here's the prayer practice that I want to encourage us all to try this week. I've been trying to give you some practical prayer practices uh, as we walk through this. So... Uh, here's what it's called. It's called the daily office. And I've brought this up one other time, I think. And the daily office is very simple. It doesn't have to sound, you know, it's not complex. It's just a rhythm of prayer where you go to God in the morning, you go to God in the midday, like around lunchtime, and you go to God in the evening. And it can look different for whatever your context is. It's okay. Like morning, 
you sit down with, with, with a cup of coffee and the Bible and you ask God to, to speak to you and you spend time with him in response to what he has said uh, or you spend some time in, with God in prayer in your car, whatever it is. In the midday, you're taking time, five minutes, whatever it is, to reorient your heart to the fact that God is in charge, that God is the provider. Because here's the fact. I am not the provider of my home. He is. You are not the provider for your home. He is. And so we are going back to him and saying, God, yes, I've had half of my day go by. Please continue to work. Please continue to shape me. Please continue to give me what I need to keep moving forward. And then in the evening, we can, we can step back and we say, God, thank you so much for what you've offered today. Thank you so much for how you work today. God, this, this, this was really difficult. I don't know what to do about this, but you do. I'm leaning on you to give me the words to say to whoever that was. I'm leaning on you to give me the strength for tomorrow. And it gives us an antidote to worry. And so that's all it is. Just morning, midday, and evening. Take a little bit of time to have your day be infused with the presence of Jesus and your awareness of that. Because he's always with you. You don't have to pray and ask God to be with you. He's always with you. But sometimes we need to be reminded of the fact that he's with you. Amen? So can you imagine us to begin to believe that self-sufficiency is a myth and for us to really be reminded that every breath we breathe, every bite of bread we take is all because of him. And so we could pray that way. And that would change the way we see the world. It would change the way we see God. And I think we would be better for it. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray and then we're going to sing out to our awesome God. Father in heaven, we thank you for being who you are. You are holy and good and glorious and majestic. You're full of love and mercy and we're so grateful for the fact that while we were still yet sinners, you sent your son and he died for us so that we could have life Thank you for offering us bread from heaven, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Father, as we go about our day, the rest of today, and if you give us this week, God, we pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in our lives and through us on earth as it is in heaven. And we do pray, Lord, that you would uh, create in us an awareness of the fact that we need you for everything, even, even bread even food, even the air that we breathe, even the strength that we have to continue to work and earn an income. God, we, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the fact that uh, while we are completely dependent on you, you've not given up on, on us. You've not said, you know what, the, you guys are too much. We thank you for the fact that you are sufficient and you're so good to us. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.